Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Hey everyone, and welcome to Red Carpet Rendezvous Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conlon. And today, you guys, I am in studio rolling out the red carpet for my colleague at WABC Radio, the legendary Rita Cosby. I mean, I can't even believe I get to say colleague. It's crazy. Like, well, it's a red carpet because I'm wearing a red dress and, <laughs> and I'm with Awesome You and I'm so thrilled to be with you, Lauren. Oh, that's so nice, Rita. So just really quickly, I mean, Rita, you are a legend. You've hosted numerous radio shows, television shows on Fox and MSNBC. You've won more than one Emmy Award, more than one Gracie Award, um, and you were actually one of the most well-respected journalists in the world. I mean, honestly, like that is just factual. I need to hire you yeah. as my agent. <laughs> you know, this is amazing. Well, I'm getting this this intro for free, which well, is even no, better. <laughs> but it's it's true. And honestly, um, you know, you guys can all listen to Rita Daily right here on 77 WABC from 10 p.m. to midnight. But I just wanted to have a chance to sit down with Rita and talk to her because I see her sometimes. I see you sometimes in the station, but not really that often. And there's just so many things that I want to ask you and I want to talk to you about um, because you've literally done it all. Well, I first, before yes. I'm going to let you ask me questions, yes. I want to give a shout out to you because Aww. we had an awesome time, of course, on primary election night on June 22nd. And you were standing next to Andrew Yang, then yes. candidate Andrew Yang, who I guess had, had already kind of conceded, but it was yes. sort of right at that pivotal moment where the last thing they want to do is talk to anybody in the media. Mm. <laughs> and we were like, tell, tell Lauren to get that microphone in there. You are already on the yeah. pace of it, which Isn't that funny? I love. And two seconds later, you had Andrew Yang on the show with me and Dominic Carter. And Dominic and I were so proud of you. Aww. You were so great. And I just want to say kudos to you because you are not just an uber entertainment gal with just great energy. You also were terrific. So you now can put top-notch election night That is so nice. I, there, actually, so. I actually had the best time, too, if you can believe that. I really did. I had so much fun. I, I love um, the the rush in general. I love rushes like that. So for me, like getting up in there and just pushing people out of the way with my elbows and, you know, getting in his face, I was all about it. It's I was a challenge. So, it was, but I loved it. I, and, I did. I loved it. And they it. don't expect it. It's funny, too, because you and I are not real tall. You know, I'm five, <laughs> yeah. I'm five foot four. I tell everybody. Yeah, I me feel too. Like me I'm, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm five foot four. I feel like I'm like six four, right? Yes. And I can't. You know, I mean, I can't think of how many times where I was covering, you know, 
huge stories and, you know, these big camera guys with, um, yes. you know, the big cameras and the microphones and the this and the that. Oh, yeah. And, and sort of, I'd sort of slide in there and, and get in there and, uh, and get the scoop. Yes. And it's, it is the biggest rush and it's almost fun. It's almost like the craziest rush, too, of all when you're kind of chasing after that. And to outscoop everybody is a great feeling. Yes. And you did it, and bravo. No, you, you nailed it. It's literally special. the best rush in the world. It really is. And then that moment after that I'm talking to you guys, and you guys are like, what happened? How did you know? And it was just such an awesome feeling. So thank you for that opportunity, Rita. It really was such an honor and such a pleasure. Um, but so something about me also is that I am obsessed with true crime. I love murder shows. I love, I am like an expert. Um, I, before I came to WBC, I used to do a lot of Hollywood crime podcasts. So I have to ask you, I mean, this is insane. So for everyone out there who's listening and might not know this, the Unabomber, Timothy McVeigh, he wrote you a personal note. I mean, what? I need to hear about this. Like, yeah, that's insane. This was wild. And this is the Oklahoma City Bomber. No, sorry, City not Bomber. the Unabomber. Yeah, the, the Oklahoma City Bomber. The Oklahoma Bomber. City you. Bomber. Mm-hmm. Um, Timothy McVeigh. And this was at a time, Lauren, where, and I was like you, I love like the psyche of people and what makes them tick for better and certainly in his case, worse, of course. And here was this guy who committed at that point, you know, the worst act of domestic terrorism um, in America and responsible, of course, for the Oklahoma City bombing and so many people who died and a former military guy. And everybody was trying to get an interview with him. And I had requested an interview with him and I was working on it. And then Attorney General John Ashcroft stepped in and said, everybody, I'm cutting off access to Timothy McVeigh. And it was one of those actually First Amendment issues, too, because even if somebody is as despicable and horrible as he is, no question, and did this horrible, heinous act, I still felt, and many other journalists, obviously, were still trying to get access to him. So I thought, okay, he's not allowing any broadcast interviews. Let me send a letter. And I literally spent time and wrote, I think it was, uh, you know, dozens, I know, of questions I wrote down that I was thinking, gosh, what would I have asked him if we were sitting face to face? And I sort of, you know, a a little bit of time went by. He's waiting. Of course, he's on death row. He's waiting for execution because he was scheduled to be executed and ultimately was executed in Terre Haute, Indiana. And then suddenly I'm sitting there and I'm at my office in Washington, D.C. for Fox News at the time. Yeah. And I'm about to go on about something that happened on Capitol Hill. And suddenly somebody came in and said, hey, Rita, you have some mail today. And I'm opening my mail and I'm starting to rip this envelope. And all of a sudden I thought it was like a like, a, you know, you get like a Newsweek in a white yes. envelope or yes. a magazine or something like that. I thought it was some promotional thing. I almost ripped it in half. And the next thing, I flip it over and I see in handwriting, T. McVeigh, ah. Terre Haute, Indiana, in handwriting. I'm like, whoa. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe it's the prison denying access to him. Maybe it's just some right. formula letter. And I opened it kind of carefully. The next thing I know, I see this handwritten letter explaining why he carried out the Oklahoma City bombing. And it was absolutely chilling. Oh, my gosh. I just got chilled. description to say, here's why I did it. Here's why he, quote, called the children who were killed collateral damage. Oh. Here was why he felt his you know, twisted mind as to why he explained that he carried it out. And I remember thinking, my first reaction was, um, first of all, I wanted to make sure it was accurate. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I wanted to make sure it did indeed come from him. So what I did was I actually called a jailer. I called the jail there yeah. at Terre Haute, Indiana. He was in maximum security, of course. 
And I said to the jailer, can you go down and ask him to make sure that this is indeed his letter to right. me, that this is accurate? Because we're about to go on worldwide news with this enormous oh my you know, scoop of, yes. of explaining his psyche. But I want to make sure it's absolute. And can you ask? And I said, and as he's walking away, I said, do me a favor also. Can you ask him why me? Because everybody and their brother was pitching Am- yes, him at this exactly. point. Thousands Amazing. of reporters were mm-hmm. sending him messages. And why did he pick me? Right. And he calls me back later and he said, yes, it, it is absolutely accurate. Timothy McVeigh said he sent it to you. And I said, why did he pick me? And he said, your sheer perseverance, oh, that it was your sheer tenacity wow. that you kept writing and you kept saying, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, you were also forthright saying that, you know, what he did was not, you know, nothing to be admired in any yeah, shape or right, form. Right, it was right. horrible. Um, and he felt that just your sheer tenacity, your sheer perseverance. And that suddenly wow. I opened up this letter and knew I had this historic document. That How many uh, times did you write him? Wrote him. Well, I had reached out to like his attorneys. Yes. I had reached out to other means. Um, and... All the way to, I, I mean, I had had contacts probably dozens of times yeah. between different layers, but it was the first time I sort of had heard directly from him. And I got messages from his attorneys saying, you know, he would grant an interview with you. Right. Um, so I would have been one of the last ones to do a physical interview with him. But then again, the attorney general at the time stepped in. But that document turned out to be a historic document and oh was on display yes. um, in a museum for years upon years upon years. Oh, I didn't even realize that. But I... I was thinking this is what got you the meeting with the Pope or the interview with the Pope. Well, Am I- well this and this is a wild story. Yeah. I, I was in Rome for actually in Rome for a wedding. Yeah. As it turned out, and I thought, God, it would be neat to meet the Pope. And the Pope was anti-death penalty, yes. even in the case of Timothy McVeigh. And Timothy McVeigh was the first federal execution that America had in many years since they reinstated the death penalty on a federal level. Okay. And because of what he did was so horrible and so heinous. So I thought it'd be neat to meet the Pope. And a friend of mine said, oh, you know, we'll see if we can fit it in. It's last minute or whatever. And then all of a sudden I was at, um, I think I was at a hotel in Rome and I get a call and it was on a Monday night. And it was from a bishop at the Vatican. And said, is this Miss Cosby? I said, yeah, yeah. Um, this is so-and-so from the Vatican. Um, are you <laughs> available on Wednesday? And I said, yeah, why? The Pope would like to see you. Oh, and my I said, gosh. The Pope? The Pope? <laughs> like, I was like, I said, yeah, the Pope would yeah. like to see you. He understands that you Just casual. had contact yeah. with Timothy McVeigh. And he is anti-death penalty. He would, you know, he, oh these are gosh. his thoughts about all this. Um, he's also Polish, and I'm Polish. Yeah. Polish descent. And and sort of everything kind of came together and said, would you like to meet the Pope? He would like to see you. And I said, of course I'd like to meet the Pope. Right. So it was this great moment also to call my bosses because I was supposed to come back actually to cover the Timothy McVeigh execution, which was scheduled at that point. Oh. And um, so I had to call my bosses in Washington at the time. And I remember calling, they were on a conference call, and I said, you know, I, I can't come back. I actually would like to take another day or two off. I'm here in Rome. And all they knew, I was there for a wedding or right, something, right. you know, a vacation. And I said, actually, um, I would like to stay through Thursday. Well, Rita, it has to be a really good reason. Yeah. I said, um, the Pope, his office called and would <laughs> like to see me. They're like, dead silence. Um, you can take the day off. Yeah, you know, no problem. Definitely take the day off. See the Pope. But you're not even really taking the day off. It's like you're still working, right? Still I mean, working. you're still doing your thing and, oh. and bringing it back to, you know, to all of us. And so. to be able to share that experience with so many people and to, to meet Pope John Paul, yeah. um, who is now a saint, right. uh, St. John Paul. And then I've also met Pope Benedict. And I also had the honor to speak with Pope Francis. And I was the first American 
American to interview Pope Francis at the Vatican, and I interviewed him um, a few days um, before the Mideast Peace Summit, oh my and gosh. did it in Spanish. Which Are you was serious? A fun story. Oh yes. my gosh! I so you can speak fluent Spanish like that? I can speak fluent Spanish. Good for and you. I went to school in Sevilla, Spain. I did an exchange program, and um, even though I'm Polish and Danish, um, I love trying to be able to at least being able to use it, and I've been able to use it a yeah. number of times. But but it turned out to be I didn't expect to have to do it in Spanish. As he was walking towards me at the Vatican, (laughs) one of the guards said to me, and this was early on in his papacy with Pope Francis, where people didn't really know how good his English was or not, because it was still very, he hadn't been to the States yet. So they didn't really know his language skills Mm -hmm. and how versant he was, whereas Pope John Paul was very versant in a number of languages, including English. Um, And Pope John, uh, Pope Francis, um, of course, you know, he's from, you know, he's uh, from Argentina Mm -hmm. and is not not as versant um, in English as Pope John Paul was, right, at least from, right. you know, certainly from my experience. And even his his team said to me, as he's walking over, and I was all ready to ask him all these questions about the Mideast Peace Summit, yeah. and they said to me, one of the guards said, here's a tip. If you speak Spanish, do it in Spanish. He will love it. He'll respect it. And he'll be able, it's his native tongue. And that makes so much sense. It makes honestly. so much sense. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, in my mind, as he's walking over, I'm thinking, okay, I have to say Mitty's Peace Summit. I have to talk about all these things in yeah, Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the best tip ever. And he just he lit up when he saw me speaking oh, in Spanish, that's and so to see this nice. Polish Danish woman yeah. speaking in Spanish. And conversing with him, and we had this amazing conversation. Wait, that's so epic. Which oh, was, my gosh. And I walked away. You know, I rarely, I kind of get in the zone when I'm in those moments. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I just wanted to, like, like even when I was talking with uh, the other two popes, holding Pope um, John Paul's hand and looking into his clear blue eyes, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, like, soak every bit of energy in this moment that was, like, incredible oh to me. And same thing with Pope Benedict. So you, like, felt amazing. you felt something divine. Oh, sort absolutely. Of, like, you just, you felt, that is actually absolutely. so amazing. And that absolutely. really makes me want to meet the Pope so I can have that feeling. Oh, that, it was yeah. incredible. And Pope Francis, like, his eyes lit up. And you could just see, you know, we've heard the stories, too, of course, like, when he got into his papacy, yeah. how he was washing the feet of those, like, he took the bus, I think, wasn't right, it, to the hotel right. or the bus back. One of those, I remember, and carried his own luggage. And I could see that very humble, the sort of, I, mm-hmm. I got that sense literally from all three of them. But there was there was something um, just really beautiful about his eyes lighting up and the communication. Yeah. And we were at that moment, I mean, I see him. We were standing, you know, just a few feet apart. And I remember walking away going, oh, my gosh, I just talked to the Pope. <laughs> I talked in Spanish. <laughs> I talked about Mideast Peace. And I yeah. felt like the luckiest person in the world. I mean, it's like, does your family ever, like, are they just so proud of you? Are they just, like, so in awe of you? I know that sounds like such a cheesy thing to say, but I just feel like, if you were like my daughter or my wife oh. or my sister, really though, I would just be like you, like you've literally done it all and you are so positive and you're so happy and you just have a nice, you know what it is, Rita? I, I can judge somebody, I think about like their personality and if they have a good heart, you know, just from their vibe and you've just got that vibe. You've got like, I feel like you deserve everything. That oh, you've, do you I know love what I'm what saying? I'm doing. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, you genuinely deserve it. There are so many people in this industry that are just not nice. <laughs> I've encountered a lot of them. You know, it's really crazy. And there's just, you've got this thing about you. I have to say. So I really, I really do want to follow your lead with that stuff just because I feel like we do have the same sort of positive energy. And you I know, love that. Like, and you know what? I've always been one of those people who the glasses have full and I love people like I wouldn't want to tell my bosses here at WABC but I 
I love what I'm doing. I, I yeah. do it for free. Don't yeah, tell don't them t- that. Don't tell, don't tell them, them that. <laughs> don't tell them that at all. Okay. I want double salary, double salary. Yeah. But I'm, I truly am one of those people who is so genuinely interested the same. in people and, mm-hmm. and learning from them. And so yes. for me, um, to be able to get paid to do it is a really neat right. thing. And I remember yes. as a young child thinking, gosh, um, you know, I grew up in a home where my dad was a Polish freedom fighter mm-hmm. and my dad was, became a prisoner of war rescued by American troops. My mother's Danish. Wow. And they met after the war. And I remember hearing about all these different, you know, people and places and always learning about history, even as a young child. And so for me, um, I thought, gosh, at some point in my life, if I could go to these far off lands or interview these interesting people and to be able to do it is, is just a gift every day and to be here at the greatest station in the world and to be doing, um, you know, in the biggest city in the world and the most interesting people and learning and every day is new and fresh. Like, like, I mean, you yes. never know, mm-hmm. you know, I never know in the morning, okay, who is going to be on my show today here at right, ABC? Right. Who am I going to be interviewing? I mean, you had Donald Trump the other week. I mean, that was like insane. You And he only wanted to talk to you. He like would not talk to anyone else. And so the last thing I'll say about like just me kissing your ass right now is like you also welcomed me Um, who like I'm, you know, I'm nobody. And you were like so, oh, you're great. but you were so kind to me and you were just, you treat me like an equal, which also says a lot about somebody. Um. Well, you are so, fantastic. Well, and and you yeah. have that same great energy. Like, to me, I always feel like people, like, like I don't know how to be any way other than myself. Yes. You know, yes. you and I are both big same. personalities. Yeah, yeah. I've never been called boring. I've never right. been called lazy. Same. I've never been called, you know, negative. I'm one of those people yes. who, like, I always, you know, have had this zest for life. And I mm-hmm. also always want like the best for other people. Like I'm one of those people. I always try to like do the best that I can do Mm -hmm. and try to tell, treat everybody fairly too. You know, ask the questions that need to be asked if it's a tough interview, Sure, Um, but also make sure that, that they're also treated fairly and they're treated respectfully and, and try to do something that makes a difference. I agree, Rita, because it is a really tough line. I think as a journalist to not piss these people off and their reps and their PR people, but also get a good interview. So we ask the questions, ask them. Yeah. And then we joke about that here. Every time I get off an interview with, um, one of the producers here, they literally call the producer right after and they say, Laura needs to take out X, Y, Z. She can't, she asked this, they answered, we can't have that in there. So it's always up to me to sit there and be like, Hmm, is it really that good? Is it good enough to piss them? And honestly, I've never had the balls to keep it in because it's never been that good. If he, they ever said something that was so amazing that, you know what I mean? Then maybe I would think about it, but it was just like, it's not worth it sometimes. And, to, I've, had, and yeah. I've had a number of times where people said, okay, it's going to be all live, no cuts. And, and, and I, I also always, I try to like, usually not even set like a prerequisite, Yeah. but I, and I always believe you can ask any question as long as you yeah. ask it. In a nice way. You can say, you know, totally. um, I mean, I'll, I interviewed and I'll never forget years ago, I interviewed, um, he was basically, uh, you know, the considered sort of the butcher, you know, uh, Belgrade, if you will, the man okay. who was responsible for all these horrible atrocities. And I remember saying to him, you know, people consider you basically, you know, like Heimlich Himmler, like, yeah. like a Hitler, you know, right. like, and that, what do you say? 
Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, if, you, if that's not a tough question, I don't know what, what did is. he say? And, I, and it wasn't me asking. I said, the people. I, you know, right. I said, this is what people, this wasn't my opinion, even though that is how I felt. But I said, people are saying this about you. What is your reaction? And as long as you're asking in that way, like there's that. always a way to ask Love a question it. and still feel like you're getting all the questions that need to be asked, um, but done in a way that they feel like, okay, she's letting me answer. And, yeah. and if they don't answer, I mean, I've done some real grilling interviews where I'm like, okay, you're dodging me. You're dodging yeah. me. And that's fun too. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're doing I'm like dance. taking notes right now, by the way. I love that. People are saying this. What do you think? I'm using that. Everyone's going to hear it now. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> you heard it here. Right Rita Cosby asking. gave me that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to use that. It's so smart. It literally is so smart. I love that so much. Now, Going darker for a second again, because I am fascinated. And I just watched this Netflix special um, about the son of Sam. And I cannot believe you interviewed him. I mean, that was that the scariest interview? Like, he must have been the scariest person. I, I don't know why. Something about him is scarier than Timothy McVeigh to me. It was chilling to sit across from him because he was trying to make the case that oh, he deserved um, parole. And he was coming up for parole. And yet you could see that this was a man who still had at that point certainly not had come to terms with what he had done. And in fact, when I was talking with him, he was talking about his faith and talking about all these things. And I said, well, let's go back to his faith? when you oh, terrorized yeah. New York City. Right? right. And he almost didn't. Want, he's like, oh, I don't really we don't really need to talk about that. And I remember saying, actually, we really do need to talk about that. <laughs> That's all we want to talk right. about. Seriously. Exactly. We, we really don't, we do. don't care about you. Right. Like, and if you're sitting there saying that you are a man of faith, you know, or you're, you know, converted and you're this, well, you need to at least atone to your horrible, horrible sins. Exactly. Um, and he did not want to talk about it. And you could see him almost breaking down almost in front of me. And I remember he had to kind of be carried away from the guards. It was one of those kind of surreal moments oh, no. when he was talking. Um, but I remember thinking um, this was a man who still had not, who was in still very much denial as to this what wasn't he had live, done at the time. Though, right? um, or- no, no, it wasn't live. But it was, I was sitting with him in, inside his prison cell up there and up in upstate New York at the time. Um, and I remember thinking, um, this is this is definitely a man who obviously committed such a horrible, horrible crime. And and I've been in, I mean, I've been in a number of prisons in my life. I was in yeah. a Mexican prison for yeah. a story that right. I did when I was an early, early, um, you know, young reporter. And I, I think about that moment many times because, boy, they were literally cooking crack cocaine in front of me. In, in the jail? In, in the jail. What? In Mexican prison. It was this huge open courtyard. And the oh guards were just gosh. walking by as the inmates were just sitting there. And... And I called the piece. I did a story on it, um, and it was called Mexican Justice. And to me, it was it just epitomized what happens when you're in a foreign country and different rules, different you know regulations. And you know, you're uh, here. I am in this prison, and I remember my you know here I was this young reporter thinking, you know, oh, okay, I'm going down to this prison, and there was a backstory behind it. But I also remember like walking in there and thinking. This is definitely not like an American prison, you know, I mean, it was like no rules and the guards were clearly in on the take. And apparently there was like this huge, you know, drug ring and, and the, the guards were obviously getting in on it. Yeah. Of course they're making money. Obviously. And that was sort of that encapsulized. And you're also beautiful. Like, were you scared? Thank you. But do you know what I'm saying? Like you, you're like this blonde bombshell. And I I mean, you walked through a Mexican, like if that's, did you 
bodyguards? Like what happened? Well, I mean, no, that's you know, scary. Was, well, you know, it was really interesting. They did not know I spoke Spanish. And oh. that goes back to <gasps> what a great plus that was because I could hear them talking about me oh, and saying things about me. And I could hear that like even when I was doing other parts of the story and you know, it was really weird to put this poker face on, knowing what they were saying. And I don't even want to like know. What they, was it was it terrifying what oh, they were saying? Oh, there was some really tough stuff stop. that I was, and I remember just with a straight face, just trying to <gasps> pretend like I didn't understand at all what they were saying. But it was at least it gave me a leg up, if you will, understanding what you they're saying so and brave. not realizing what they're. You were literally so brave. So. Oh my God. See, that's, this is where I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could go to Mexico and feel like I'm not a hundred percent protected. Uh, like, uh, cause Oh my gosh, sorry. I I just got chills again. <laughs> but the greatest, <laughs> thinking the, about the greatest it. thing of it all <sighs> was Lauren. And to me, I think about this, um, so many times in my life, like, and this was a story I did when I was a young cub reporter, but my story actually freed an American who was held unlawfully down there. And to oh, me, wow. that was the greatest thing in the world. And I've thought about that so many times as to what sort of has motivated me to be in this business, amazing. to be able to make a difference. And I feel like one of the greatest calls of my life was when he called me and he was literally thrown out of a car on the other side of the border as a result of our story because Rita. this reporter, Rita Cosby, was causing too much trouble for no the prison. Way. And I remember getting the call from him and thinking, how wonderful, like forget, you know, forget anything else, but to be able to make that kind of a tangible difference and to be able to save someone's life. And he and I are still yes. in touch. I was just going to ask you that. He day. literally must like call you on, like on Christmas and... That is so nice. If, Isn't it? And that is great. like, you're so right. That's why you're doing this because that right there is the biggest rush of all. Yeah. The, getting the somebody out rush. of prison who did, um, like, that is so amazing. And in a Mexican prison too, because it was I, not a pretty place to I be. I don't <laughs> even, that's, that's why I don't even like want to know what they were saying, what they were, that is, I mean, you were, you were so brave as, as much as I'd want to do something like that. I, I just don't know if I could go through well, with it. You know, it. it's funny when you're, when you're like on this mission too, and yeah. you know, and I've always been sort of a gutsy reporter and I yeah. remember thinking you know oh wait this guy should not be down here this is wrong this is you know what I mean yeah. this is you know this is not justice this is not the way it should be and yet obviously I called it again Mexican justice my piece because I remember thinking uh it's when you're in Mexico it's Mexican rules they call the shots yeah. and if you are in a foreign country and that could apply to a lot of other countries yep. in this world you know the story um uh, what was it uh, Midnight Express remember in I Thailand I love you know, that uh, movie right you know yeah. you think about the stories of what happens in or Turkey or the, Turkey. what happens in these different countries and it's different rules in different countries and it's a very mm. powerful reminder. And he went crazy yes. in that prison. Uh, what Billy? What's his name? I forget his name, but yeah, that. Oh my gosh. So and, and you're not like you're not guaranteed to be protected, right? Like you have your camera guy with you, but you don't have anyone else with oh, you, really. No, and and in fact, at that time, it was just me and my camera guy. And I think that's like I can't believe like thank when we cross the border. And, and that's why whenever I hear people also say. You know, trashing America or trashing. I, I I can't tell you how many times I have been, whether it was in Mexico yeah. or when I was in Belgrade interviewing, uh, you know, the, the butcher of Belgrade, Archon, right, right. Uh, you know, that I talked about or all these other countries or places that I've been in, you know, a lot of war zones and places like that. Every time I come back, uh, when I hear welcome back, you're back in New York, or you're back in America, or you're back in Washington, <laughs> tears rolling down yeah, my eyes. Yeah. And I, that's, I think, so much of why I do love this country and appreciate this country, because I've been to so many places where right. when they, they hear that it's an American or they hear that it's someone in the media who can maybe make a difference. Yeah. Um, 
that it makes you really appreciative for what we all have in this great country and what we I do agree. here. And so it, it, every time I see like the American flag, I, I the American <laughs> anthem, you know, and I remember, I remember yeah. I was very happy to see that American flag when I crossed that border from Tijuana. Oh my into, gosh. Into I don't blame you. I was like, wow. Thank God. I literally <laughs> would have had champagne like on hand, just popped it. And then like, I, I'm drinking this to the face right now. I can't like, so I just really quickly, I won't keep you for very long. I know you have a show to prep for, but do you still ever get nervous for interviews? No. You know what? I get excited. You do? I'm trying to think of the last time I got nervous. Like Trump. Were you nervous at all? Or like, I don't know. No, more excited. And I think it's, you know, it's funny. I kind of go into the zone. Um, I'm one of those people who... I like to be overprepared, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm kind of famous for having like a big stack of papers and, but also winging it too. When yeah. someone goes like you have to, I kind of walk into interviews with like a lot of prep and sort of knowing every detail, you know, and, and, but I've had interviews where like, even, I think even in that case, I had a list of sort of, okay, I want to hit this area and I yeah. want to hit this area. Yeah. Um, but then depending on what you know, former President Trump said, I would kind of, you have to also be a good listener mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to put the papers down and go, wow, that was a really interesting thing that you just said. Um, and that was a really fast. So to me, I rarely get interviewed. I, I'm trying to think if I've, if I've been nervous, even early on, I just, yeah. I get excited to meet people. I get excited to share stories. I get excited to come to WABC every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so for me, it's more of excitement. The one thing, uh, I wish I didn't have to sleep because I have like so many ideas and so many people I want to interview and, and, and so many great stories. You're a machine. Yeah. I literally can't take you. You're so funny. You're so that's my funny. Biggest, that's yeah. my biggest regret. If there's oh any regret or any nervousness is that, oh shoot, I only have 24 hours in a day. That I'm nervous about. How am I going to show? I love it. I love it. Well, everyone, Rita Cosby, she is such a joy and you are seriously such a legend. Thank you for joining me. Um, I hope you guys all enjoy this episode. Like I said before, if you want to listen to Rita, you can listen to her every day from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. on 77 WABC. And she's always on TV and she wrote a million books and she's just the most incredible lady that um that I know. So Lauren, thank you. And really. most importantly, fan of Lauren Conlon. Oh, fan of Lauren gosh. Conlon. That is the most important thing. <laughs> well, you're the best. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen. Until next time. <laughs>